Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, and here again is Keith Myers. Hey, how's it going? Back from Metallica, I hear. That was a good show. Yeah, I kind of blew it. I blew it out, Keith, man. As as old as a dog as I am, I had a great time. And uh, my 11-year-old son kicked my ass, though, because <laughs> he was he stood up the whole time. I had to actually take breaks and sit occasionally. Wow, I'm that... I'm just. It sounded like it sounded like it was an amazing show up there at, at CenturyLink. So I'm I'm glad you got to go and and have a fun. I'm a little jealous. I didn't get to go up and see it, but you know, there are other things going on. So that's it true. Yeah, no, it was my first time to a Metallica concert and my wife's third time. So she's uh, she. I'm I'm into it for like about. Uh, I'll be completely honest. About now oh, seven eight songs. I really like. You know, and the rest of it, the rest of the catalog, I like, but you know, I'm not a huge, huge diehard. And then my, but my wife's got like every, every song on her iPod and all that kind of stuff. And you'd never know it if you met my wife. She's an analytical, uh, sciency kind of individual, and uh, so, and she has, uh, she's in, in sales, and she's cute and blonde and. And uh, you'd never know she was a diehard metal fan. So, hey, everyone has a little metal in them. So that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right, Keith. That's exactly right. All shapes and sizes. So, hey, getting back to the show this week. Uh, this week is our training camp uh, review uh, episode number two. We're gonna say and next week we actually start talking about the games. We've got a preseason game that we're going to talk about at the end of the show with uh, the San Diego Chargers. That is Sunday at 5 p.m., so I know where everyone's going to be on Sunday night. And I'm hosting my my family. Uh, my, my parents are coming over. We're doing uh, Costco, uh, Polish hot dogs, and and uh, all the fixings and all that stuff. So you got to celebrate the first game of the season, even if it's preseason. Yeah, there's just something nice about having football on my TV. It, the last couple of days, like it, it's not even Seahawks. It's like other teams, and it's preseason, and you see all these guys who probably won't be playing on Sundays um, because it's you know ninety man rosters and stuff right now. And I'm like, I don't even care. I'll watch uh, you know the Houston Texan backups play because 
it's football and it it's on my TV. So I'm like, yes, finally, it's been so long. Finally. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. It's great. And everyone now can switch from politics on Twitter to football, right? Oh, that's... So my that's my the, timeline I, will be cleared out. You hope. <laughs> you hope. We all so hope. Let's talk about uh, some news items this week before we get into the training camp stuff. Uh, it was a, it was a tough week uh, for Malik McDowell. Yeah. Uh, to put it lightly, uh, facing you know multiple injuries, um, most of them are somewhat undisclosed by the team. They can't uh, via confidentiality, uh, you know, with doctors and so forth, can't really go into depth. Understandable, uh, albeit frustrating, uh, but it sounds like his season is in jeopardy. Absolutely. I mean, Pete Carroll came out said he's got multiple injuries. This isn't just like a a single thing that they're looking at. It's multiple injuries that he's going to miss considerable time. That having him back for you know week one or early anytime early in the season just isn't on the table. Um, was the quote. So it's it's pretty telling that the, this is something that's pretty serious and he's probably not going to play. Um, now, if they, if he doesn't play, he's on the reserve non-football injury list. And that means that if he doesn't play this season because of that, his contract doesn't start. And so it's not like they, you, they lose a year of uh, McDowell in the organization because of this, uh, because his contract just gets pushed out till next year. And that's when it starts. And so that is, you know, there's some silver lining to that. And the fact that he just turned 21, this is a guy who's really young. So losing a year when he's 21 uh, is different than like losing a year when you're like 24 or 25. So it's, it's one of those things where it's really, um, it's not as bad as it could be for him or for the team long term, but it's, it sucks this year because this is a guy they expected to come in and, and play a huge role. And now it looks like he's not going to play at all. Keith is, is he going to be able to, to come in and, um, and attend team meetings and all that kind of stuff so he can stay connected or is um, he just back in Michigan and is he going to stay there? I mean, he, what are we, what are we looking for there? He's back in Michigan um, right now. And it's because of the whole non-football injury thing. Uh, that list involves not getting paid. And so um, the, the team basically was like, told him, you're not going to be playing for quite a while. You know, you go back to Michigan and, you know, do your thing and, and recover. And then, you know, we'll be in touch. And so at some point this year, I do expect him to be back in Seattle and, and watching film and learning and, and rehabbing with the team trainers. So that way he can, you know, they, they're more, a little more supervised as far as what's going on, as far as his rehab. But he's not ready for that. So they don't, he, he's just not even in the building. They want to concentrate on the guys that are on the roster and who are going to be playing. And, and we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit, as far as uh, McDowell being gone. Um, what are we looking for as a defense in his place? Um, of course it helps not having him at all in, in a sense is that uh, we just don't know what we're missing and we just go forward as, as though he were just not around at all. Yeah, it's kind of like when um, the the first year that Percy Harvin was in Seattle and, you know, he had that uh, uh, hip labrum surgery at the start yep. of training camp and he never actually practiced with the team. So they weren't they hadn't gone through the, the 
the thing of installing all those plays and practicing them and running them, and then you get to the games and you can't use them because the player is not there. Um, they it, it, so it's kind of the same idea. They don't. They well, that does that does bring up an interesting that does bring up an interesting point, Keith. At what point does the team have to make a decision about uh, shutting Malik McDowell down for the entire season? I believe it's week thirteen. Um, okay. So it'll be after the twelfth game. So he could uh, conceivably come back for the playoffs. Yes, he could. If it, it's hard though, it'll be for him to not have been with the team or. What kind of pressure would we feel though if, say, Bennett was out with an injury? Knock on wood. Uh, you know, if Bennett was out with an injury and McDowell gets a clean bill of health from the team um, and is able to play, I it, there would have a hard time keeping him off the field. Um, and you know, they would probably activate him and lose that year in order to, and just um, bank on his athleticism rather than time with the team to yeah. kind of take over games just with athletic ability. Yeah. So there, there'll be some of that. Hopefully we don't get, we don't see that situation because, well, that I involve... see them likely shutting him down. I really do. I mean, it's a, it, whatever's going on, it's serious Yes, and he's not going to have any time with the team, um, practice wise. For a long time, probably at least through, you said week 13, so that means he could start practicing week 11 or 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's just not a lot of time. Well, that that's the maximum. Being on non-football injury, I think the team has to leave him on there for six weeks. Um, so that's it's kind of like the, the physically unable to perform list. Um, they can put him on that list, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's six to 13 weeks. Uh, um is the range for before before they have to activate him, so he doesn't have to be on there the whole uh, twelve weeks and then activated for week thirteen. Or, well, it is it is what it is. So, but we've got a lot of players that are that are still on the team. So let's kind of move our conversation over to some of the guys and and some of the other news notes. Uh, uh, players waived, signed, and so forth. Uh, yesterday in practice, it looked like uh, both Baldwin and Clark. Uh, showed signs of injury. Uh, Baldwin left practice 15 minutes minutes prior to the end, and he did not return. Sounds he like he's got just a minor tweak or something. To, uh, he to also his ankle. did. He did not come out uh, to practice with the team today. Um, and what Pete Carroll said is that it's a um, strained ligament in the top of his foot. It's not his ankle. It's actually in the top of his foot. So oh. that. That's hard because it's, you know, those are the ligaments that control your, like your toes. So it hurts when you push off and that kind of stuff. Um, Well, that sounds like it could be like a four week deal. You know, it sounds like it, but Pete Carroll also said it was really minor. So it's there, it hurts, it's sore, but it's not a big deal um, because it's a really minor injury. But it's, to me, that's better than an ankle because an ankle, as a wide receiver, you know, affects your ability to cut and that kind of stuff. Whereas, um, you know, something like this in the foot, it's not going to be as bad. So, uh, but he's he's not going to play this week um, in uh, L.A. So it is well, it you know it's 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 there. It's just something we're going to watch, but it doesn't sound like it's going to hurt once the the games start to count. Uh, Carol also said today that Lane will be out for this game, and Griffin's going to start. So that's another yes. little news item that I just added to my notes. So that's good. I mean, Griffin. It sounds like he's exploding in uh, in in practice. I mean, he's really pushing. 
yeah. for that, that starting spot. And with Lane missing the last week and, and who knows how long with, with whatever he's got going on, soft tissue injury, <clears throat> we'll see. Yeah, it sounds uh, like <clears throat> it sounds like Lane is um, is going to be out for a little bit, and that just opens the door for Griffin. It also opens the door for guys like um, Elliot Desir and Nico Thorpe. Nico Thorpe's actually kind of leapfrogged everyone, and is is getting that time as the third cornerback uh, uh, with the starters because of the Lane injury, and so it's just kind of opened the door for those other three guys to kind of make. Um, a name for themselves and, and get a, uh, a chance to play with the starters and show that they can make plays and gives them an opportunity to try and make the roster. So as everybody knows probably by now, Fetty and Clark were out and missed four or five practices this last week, but both returned on mm-hmm. Wednesday to, to practice, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, Fetty looks like he didn't lose his starting spot on the right side. He's still right there competing in the, with the number ones um, yep. with Posick um, to, to maintain that spot. Any thoughts? Well, it looked like, I mean, Posick stepped in and, and, and did stuff. He did well um, while Fetty was out. Yeah, <laughs> he did stuff. So so descriptive for this, you know, audio <laughs> podcast. Um, and then, and he looked pretty good, but the moment of Fetty was, uh, you know, no longer being held out as a disciplinary thing for the fight, um, he slid right back in with the starters. He's going to start um, the game this week. And, you know, from all reports, he's had like two of his best days in camp the last few days since he came back. So it, yeah. sound, it sounds like, you know, that job is his. Post He did really well. While Fetty was out, but he's not really being looked at and being given that chance. Now, we'll see, because if you get into the games, the preseason games, and Fetty struggles and Posick looks really good, they'll re- reevaluate. But as of right now, it looks like Fetty's going to be the starter on the right side. So this last week, we waived and signed uh, some players. Cal Coleman, uh, Robert Myers, offensive line, and uh, Ronald Powell, linebacker, were waived. Kyle Coleman uh, is the one that I noted there at fullback. It looked like early on in camp he was competing for that starting role at fullback, uh, no longer uh, with the team. And then uh, we signed Christian French, which was an interesting guy because he was with the Seahawks last uh, – um, he, he was an invite after the draft as a non-drafted uh, free agent uh, but was let go. I think he had some knee issues. <clears throat> He's back on the uh, roster for now. Uh, Jordan Simone is back after we cut him last week. Um, and then Greg Milhouse, defensive lineman. Not sure I know a lot about Greg, uh, but uh, he's adding to the competition there in the uh, at the defensive tackle spot. Well, it was one of those things where they, the team it was getting a little thin um, on the defensive line. You've got McDowell, who is out. Clark was out. Um, a couple other guys, you know, have needed to take some snaps off and get stretched out, worked out by... Um, you know the trainers before they come back on, and when you start to get you start to get a little light there, you end up with other guys that have to take extra reps in order for the offensive linemen to get their reps in, and then you start overworking guys and you start to worry about injury. So um, they needed some they needed some bodies on the defensive line, and so that's where they got uh, they brought in French and, and Milhouse kind of to take that up for them. Um, 
I know you mentioned Coleman being being waived, but they when they added Marcel Reese at fullback, Coleman became expendable. I mean, he really did. And then you, they've also got Trey Madden, who's still around, yep. who has been only a fullback so far this year. Um, they're not using him as a running back because the team is so deep at running back. There wasn't, there was just no way he was going to have an avenue towards the roster. So he's made the full time commitment to being a, um, to being a fullback. So. And I understand that he's uh, he's he's showing a little bit of something in this camp. Now I don't know if it's enough to actually make the team, um, but uh, last year you know he just didn't have a shot. Uh, although he did come on later in the season, correct? One of many running backs to to have at least a touch, or or was he off the team last year? I don't recall him ever ever making it onto the active roster. I know he was with okay. the practice squad. But I didn't. I don't actually have that. He maybe he did. I. But I'm just saying, memory, which goes as you get a little yep. older, um, tells me I don't think he was on the active roster at any time. So let's jump right into it, Keith, with some training camp notes. We've got a, quite a bit to talk about, and so we'll try to get through um, all this as quickly as we can. Uh, we mentioned earlier um, about Quentin, Quentin Jefferson coming in. Uh, to, to kind of take that place that McDowell was going to give us this year, some of that interior pass rush. He's looked very good uh, so far in camp. Well, he's looked good. And then, you know, after the knee injury, which cost him his rookie year, uh, the concern with him was, you know, is he going to be durable? Is he going to be a hold up? Um, he's actually had more reps, more practice reps than any other defensive line player. And he's responded in there by looking really good in all They're trying of to get him in shape. Yeah, well, I think he's already in shape. He can just handle it. And he's just looked really good. He's been that explosive um, kind of wrecking ball uh, interior pass rusher that they've needed, that they really they really wanted him to be a year ago, but the injury kept him out. And, you know, if he is healthy and he's going to be what they expected McDowell to be, so they were, they were able to get their replacement. Um, in the rotation for in-house and not have to go like find a veteran and pay, to pay for uh, to make that happen. That's going to be really big for the Seahawks. So last week, I kind of mentioned Terrence Garvin a little bit as getting uh, some starter reps out at the Sam uh, linebacker spot. And um, he's still doing that uh, over Will Hoyt at this point. And uh, Will Hoyt looks like he's kind of taking most of his reps in the middle. Yeah, it's one of those things where when... When they when they traded for Alexander, I kind of expected um, Alexander to get more of the inside reps because they just needed they needed a body in the middle, and that would allow Will Hoyt to get more starter reps and and really try and factor into that competition. But right now, um, Terrence Garvin is really kind of owning that starting Sam linebacker job, which is you know it's good to see because he's a guy with the athleticism to really do yeah. some nice things for them there. I, I'm actually a little surprised because everything that I read about Terrence Garvin before, um, uh, right after the draft and, and free agency was that uh, he was more of a special teams guy. They brought him in on special teams, yes, to compete at, at linebacker, but more of a backup kind of role. They, I think they expected Will Hoyt to kind of come in and claim that spot, and, but Terrence Garvin's really taken advantage of the opportunity. Well, I thought it was telling when they um, they brought Mike Morgan back because um, he you know he was the guy who was supposed to start there last year, and then of course he had the injuries, and so they ran through 
a whole bunch of different guys at at, at the strong side linebacker before bringing uh, Mike Morgan off of injured reserve and using that um, IR return slot to get him, you know, on the field for the last couple of games. But when they brought him back, it was like, okay, we need, we don't have a starter. We need one. And we know this guy, this guy can play. Um, And so I was like, okay, well that means they're not happy with Garvin. And then they also traded for Alexander, which freed up Will Hoyt. You're going to see a bigger competition. And that just hasn't materialized. Garvin's just kind of, he's still getting all the reps there. He's still the guy. And so it's a very something very interesting to watch as we go forward yeah. through the rest of the preseason. Yeah, that's definitely a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on when the games uh, are being played. Um, now, granted, the Sam linebackers not getting a ton of snaps. We're talking about twenty to thirty percent overall. Uh, but when he's on the field, I'm interested to see um, if he comes up and really makes a difference in the box, and if he can cover tight ends, and if he can cover tight ends out there, um, that's that's actually going to be really impressive for me. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, we, that's just something that we won't know. I, part of it is, you know, you, you read the reports and, and from what you can see going on, it sounds like Seattle's tight ends are just killing the defense, but you're also talking about Jimmy Graham yeah, who, who kills just about everyone when he's healthy. So that is that meaningful or is it not? It, it we really need to see, uh, these guys in the preseason games so we get an idea of you know, are are they fluid enough athletes to cover the more athletic tight ends or whether it's going to be a problem? I wanted to quickly talk about one of our rookies in the interior defensive line, Naz Jones, um, kind of that run-stuffing prototype uh, defensive tackle so far in camp, but he has shown some more versatility with some some of the pass rushing that the, the Seahawks need possibly out of him this year. What do you think, Keith? Well, th- what I've seen is that he's not... He's not going to be like McDowell and and um, Jefferson, where he can actually get up the middle and get sacks. But he's shown to be really powerful, and he'll push, uh, you know, the guards in the center back into the back. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, you just got to prevent the quarterback from stepping up, and so he's shown some some ability to do that, which is actually pretty cool. But then the other thing that the, the team has done is they've pushed him over to the five tech spot, which is. Um, uh, Michael Bennett's side of the the line, and had him out o- over there in some short yardage situations where he's now lined up against um, a tackle instead of a guard or a center, and it just gives him a chance to just manhandle someone who's used to blocking yeah. smaller guys. Well, um, the thing that tells me too about Naz is he's got great hands. I mean, if they're putting him out there, his hand fighting is really top notch. Yeah, so this is more of a Michael or um, Red Bryant role uh, on the outside, where he's you know being matched up against someone who's not used to to being matched up against his size and strength, and being able to just um, you know really push a, push an offensive tackle around, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, so if they're willing to do that with him, then it shows that they're they're working to find ways to get him on the field outside of the base rotation. So that's um, that's a good sign. The next guy that I'm really excited to talk about, and I've kind of underplayed it a little bit, I think, over over the last, uh, well, even since the draft, is Shaq Griffin. We uh, He likes to go by the name Quill. And uh, he's really taken ownership of that cornerback spot. And uh, everything that I'm hearing out of camp is that he's the player that everyone just can't stop talking about. 
Yeah, um, he has looked real smooth, like he's been doing this for a while. He's picked up the, um, you know, the kickstep technique, which is the the press technique that the Seahawks use, and he he's picked it up real quick, and it looks really comfortable with it. So they really like him um, on the outside as the number two guy, but he's got the quicks and the, um, you know, the the agility to play the inside to come in in the nickel if he has to. Yep. Um, so and with Lane out, he's he's really taking advantage. Yeah, with Lane out, he's going to have that role. He's going to he'll, he'll especially well, at least in this first um, preseason game. But so far, it just looks like what it's the role it's going to be is that he's going to be the number two guy. Um, over there and then when when needed you know when they bring in the nickel he'll slide into the slot now if lane when lane comes back and is healthy lane will just come in into the slot but in the meantime griffin will slide into the slot and they'll bring in a guy like nico thorpe who is currently that um that number three corner he'll come in on the outside and be the guy that's got the boundary to help him Um, and then of course you've got the the other guys that are will come in as well, you'll see Pierre Desir come in. He'll be uh, Richard Sherman's backup and the first the first guy to come on when the starters come off the field. Um, and DeAndre Elliott is getting time with the at the nickel in the second unit when when Lane has been out here too. Yep, so he's getting that time where he comes in on the outside and and one of the other guys slides in. So yeah, you've got a bunch of different guys over there that it's a, it's a deep cornerback group. It really is, and you've got. Um, other guys there like Mike Tyson, who uh, he's coming along more slowly because he's got more to learn and more, you know, that kind of stuff. But don't count him out, you know, as we get later in the preseason and he's just got more practice under his belt, more time to get comfortable with the the techniques the Seahawks require them to use. You know, one of the other players, too, that's been excited, and we've talked about quite a bit in the last uh, several podcasts, is Bradley McDougald. But there's uh, nothing... Um, short of of awesome for the Seahawks that he was able to come in and assume the role that he has which is a a primary backup for both Chancellor and Thomas but more than that he's on the field about 70 percent of the time and the way that they use the 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 scheme that uh, Seattle does is the third um, safety on the field and it sounds like he's making plays all over the place he is. He's doing well, and they're they're finding ways to get him on the field with the starters. So at the same time as you see Earl Thomas and, and Cam Chancellor on the field, so they've talked about having this heavy nickel and having that third safety. Um, like last year, they 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 talked up uh, Brandon Browner and Kelsey McCray and finding ways to get them on the field. But then if you actually watch them in practice, they never did it. it so was, if he's the third guy, uh, in place of who? So he would be in place of the nickel corner. So this would be in in uh, in place of Jeremy Lane, and so they'd have a th- the third safety. Um, so what do you, what do you think that that says about Lane? I don't think it really says anything other than the fact that the team wants that kind of versatility. Uh, McDougal's a guy that can cover the slot, um, but he can also play strong safety and play up by the line. He can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. He can make plays against the run. It's it's a kind of versatility which is really rare, and so. Um, and one of the places that that would show up to me would be uh, if when the offense has the ball against us and they go into audibles, um, a guy like 
McDougal can can have the versatility to to cover a tight end, come come up on the line of scrimmage, play the run, can drop back into coverage in the nickel if he has to. He's on the outside. He's all over the place. Yeah, it's also gonna. You're also gonna see it when um, when teams go to that super uh, high pace. You know, run to the line, get the snap off, get the way the Patriots do, um, and some of the yep. other teams. When they get, when you get into that like really high paced um, situation, you you don't have a chance to sub. And so having guys that can do multiple things, whether play safety or corner or, um, you know, linebackers that can rush the passer or, um, you know, cover and, and that kind of stuff, you need those guys. And I think they're, they're making sure that they are prepared in those situations by having a guy like McDougal on the field. So today we're kind of jumping all over the place and talking about different positions and, and groups. We haven't talked a lot about any of the offensive players uh, but why don't you give me your impression so far of uh, Mr. Russell Wilson? How, what kind of a campus he had, Keith? Oh, he has been sharp. Um, he's throwing the ball all over the field, just hitting everyone. Um, deep down the field, showing great accuracy, getting the ball out quick. He has looked good in practice and not i know everyone's like, oh well it's practice and yeah you know, no i do want i do want to see that at the at the you know during the preseason and the in the reps that he does get and then at, in regular season you know if he's playing like this now and i've and i've seen him play like this in practice before but it hasn't translated to the start of the season when the offense traditionally is getting a slow start in uh, Pete Carroll's uh, offense. And I'd like to see him just jump right out of the gate. I think if they can jump out of the gate like that, Keith, with that kind of spot-on accuracy and the timing and all that kind of stuff, uh, the Seahawks are going to be really hard to beat this year. They are. And well, and I know we say, oh, we've seen Russell Wilson like like this in practice before, and we have, but he has been this sharp every day. He has looked this good every day. Um, you look at how he did in the mock game last week, and uh, he had three incompletions. Uh, at least one of them was dropped. And one, one drop. Of, one one drop. Full overthrow, and, and yeah, and uh, one yeah. So there's one throw away, one and one drop um, in three incompletions, and because I think he was 15 of 18. So right, right. I mean, so it, it's just it kind of shows you what he's doing, and you go, oh well, yeah, okay, so that was against mostly the second team defense, but which that's true, but go look at how he did against in, in the same mock game against the second team defense last year. And it wasn't the same. Uh, he, he looked sharp, but not this sharp. He just looks better. He just looks more comfortable, quicker, um, physically quicker, mentally, cause he's getting the ball out, out faster. And this is, this is, I would say this is the best he's looked in training camp as a professional. So two players uh, that I want to talk about that are uh, kind of on opposite end of the spectrum for myself is Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls. Pete Carroll says uh, Eddie Lacy's right where we want him. Looks great in camp. He's doing everything we're asking of him. You know, all the coach speak that you can ever ask for out of Pete Carroll. But the eye test tells me that Eddie Lacy's not showing, he's not all that impressive to me. What are your he, thoughts about that battle that you're seeing? He really just doesn't look like he has any burst. He doesn't have any like suddenness to his motion movements. Um, and so he's, I don't want to say that he's like slow or plodding. Cause that it looks like he's really, going through the motions. Keith. It, it does. And it, but at times like even during the mock game, uh, which, you know, it was a game, there's tackling and all of that. He just didn't look 
impressive. He wasn't quick to the hole. He wasn't running with a, a lot of force and, and any of that stuff. So it was it was kind of un, it was kind of uninspiring. So let's see what run. happens in the games. But you know, so far, color me unimpressed. Yeah, I, I I'm there too. Like so, we'll we'll see. You know, once we get into the preseason games, hopefully he'll get enough carries to show us why the why Pete Carroll keeps talking him up because what I see in practice and stuff, I just don't I don't see uh, any kind of burst to him. I don't see any um, reason to get super excited. Rawls, on the other hand, looks really quick, really decisive. He looks better than he did as a rookie. Um, which, He's, he set out to make sure yeah. that he won that spot. And it, he has and, he has the mindset of a of of a starter. Yeah, and so when I when I am watching, I I'm going. You know, Rawls is the guy. He's the guy who's going to be getting those carries. Uh, the the opening uh, series of week one. And because he's earned it. I mean, he's working his tail off in, you know, he's taking every rep seriously. He's running hard. He looks decisive. And he really looks like he understands the offense and isn't thinking. He's just playing and doing well. And and that's what he wasn't doing last year. Last year, he was a little too hesitant. He was thinking too much. Uh, and now he's just like, he's just going. And it looks really good. So staying with the uh, the running back group, I tell you what, if there's a, a defensive player that's getting all the noise in camp, uh, rookie Griffin on the offensive side of the ball, it's Chris Carson who's getting yes. all the all the talk on the offensive side. What are you hearing about Chris Carson? He's it looks like he's already jumped Collins on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean we'll see when the game you know the game start, but I would say based on the reps he has, um, the Seahawks are five deep at running back. And it's a that's, deep, deep group. It's, I'm it, excited. I mean, this is a good group. And the thing is, that, that doesn't even count Mike Davis, who has looked good, too. I mean, he hasn't looked as good as Carson, uh, but he's also looked good. But Carson, I mean, he... Carson's training camp this year has been better than Thomas Rawls' training camp in 2015. I think Carson literally is everything that I wanted Collins to be last year in camp, and he wasn't. You know, Carson yeah. looks like he's going to make this team, Keith. He does. I don't I don't expect Carson to get cut. I don't expect him to hit waivers. The the team is not going to risk having him go through waivers and and losing him trying to to stash him. I think they're more likely to um decide that they don't need Eddie Lacy and cut his salary or wow. to, or to or to that's, trade That's huge. Or to trade Alex Collins because you look at, I mean, sure, he didn't look great at the beginning of the year, but at, down the stretch last year, he really showed. And so there's so there's some good they're, they're not on going him. To, they're not going to cut Eddie Lacy, Keith. Really? No. I don't, I can't see that. Well, we'll it, see the, how. The, the running back group, they have, here's my, and here's my reasoning. Schneider has made it his absolute mission in the offseason to attack the running back group. And Eddie Lacy's his prized uh, signing to make that happen. And while he hasn't completely shown uh, a spark yet in camp, the games have yet to begin. And we already know what Eddie Lacy can do when he's healthy and motivated. And I think he is. Um, but I think Thomas Rawls is just special, you know, in, in that respect. And and slightly a slightly different running back. Now, Eddie La- uh, uh, Thomas Rawls runs with power. 
but Eddie Lacy runs with power and size. Yes, but he, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna still say that he, there's there no chance that he's gonna get cut if he continues to show nothing? What's what would the, for the rest money of be training camp and what would the what was the guaranteed money on that contract, Keith? It was close to three million out of three point seven, right? It was like I think it was two point three out of the three point seven was guaranteed. So that's a lot of guaranteed money to not make the team. It, it isn't if, any worse than uh, who, who do we sign as a defensive back last year, or the year before that didn't work out. Kerry Williams. Kerry Williams. I mean, um, is it that bad of a contract? I mean, no, it's not. Um, and they, but they cut him too. I mean, they didn't cut him coming out of camp. He made it through. Right. Uh, he made it through a couple, or was it six weeks before they finally jettisoned him right. off the roster? But they had no, no concerns about moving on. When well, that, they, when that that's certainly true, work. Keith. But let me ask you this then, uh, and I don't know if you're ready to answer this question completely, but. Uh, let me build the, uh, the likely, uh, running back depth chart at the start of the season. Uh, it's hard. Um, I would say Rawls one, uh, Lacey two, um, Procise is the third down back. And then they're going to hold on to probably Carson as a fourth running back, even though most teams only carry three and then keep. Marcel Reese at fullback. So you've got yes. five five total yep. backs. And then you've got uh and then in in that situation they would be uh trying to trade Alex Collins who's young, looked good at the end of last year, uh team control, all of that kind of stuff and seeing if they can get a draft pick for him. It, it'd be different for Alex Collins if he was a, a real a, a high performer on special teams. Um and and I haven't seen that yet from him. Maybe he should start some some quality special teams play if he thinks his job's on the line. Well, the one of the things that that Collins gives you that none of the other three guys or four guys above him on the the depth chart, except for maybe Procise, is he's really good out of the backfield. He's got nice hands. He blocks well. Um, I mean, Procise is a, a former receiver, so he does that kind of stuff too. But uh, Collins gives you the power inside back who who's does those other things. So he's a guy that's nice to have on the roster because if Procise gets hurt, well, you have Collins to be your third down back. That's and that's if, right, Keith. And if if um, if Rawls gets hurt, well, Collins can step in as you know uh, one of the first and second down backs. So he he can do both of those things. So he's a guy that's nice to have in the roster, and he showed late in the season last year that he could play. I mean, it was a little ugly early on when he was yeah. still, um, well, that's why I think catch it, up. I, but I, I think, think right now he, gets, he looks good. I think if he gets cut, he's going to get picked up. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's the most likely situation I think is that he gets traded, uh, because there, the talent was obvious at the end of the end of the year last year. Is, and there, they, a, is there a market for a guy like Collins? I mean, I just don't oh, yeah. see that. I don't know. There's always I mean, a market. I guess for good you. Backs. I guess you might be able to pick up like a seventh round pick for a, on a team that wants priority signing for him. If we're going to cut him anyway, but other than that, I don't see it. Well, you got to think: are, are we going to? I mean, is, does it come down as to we're going to cut him anyway? That's why I said that if if they can't get a pick for Collins, well, it's, it's either that Keith or they or they keep six in the running back group and only keep five in the wide receiver group. 
Oh, that's hard. Or they or they let some special team ace go, and I don't see that happening either. Yeah, I mean, you end up with there if you keep you can't keep everybody, and this group's just that deep. So it might come down to if somebody gets hurt in the preseason, and then that opens the door for for them to you know to keep a guy right. that we weren't we're not expecting, or you know something along those lines. I just I just have not seen enough from Eddie Lacy. And Eddie Lacy's also only on a one-year contract where, you know, Collins has three more years left. Um, I just know we Car- have Carson so is, many Carson problems last years. year, Keith, at running back with Rawls staying healthy and precise. I just can't, can't see him cutting Eddie Lacy loose at the beginning of the year. But Eddie Lacy was one of the, was a guy that was injured all year. He wasn't on Seattle's roster, but he was injured all year. Um and so that's, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I Well, we clearly don't agree on this. Ba- well, sure. But based on exactly what we're talking about, Chris Carson could end up being our three down back by the end of the season. And you know what? I'm From what I've seen, I'm not, I, I'm actually kind of okay with that. If if Rawls, Lacey, and Procise all went down with injury and your running back group had to be, uh, Carson Collins and Mike Davis. You could do worse than that. Those three guys have looked really good in camp. Well, and that we just goes it, to show you how deep our, that this, this class is. Yeah, this group of running backs that they've got on this roster is scary deep. I mean, there's just a lot of talent there. I mean, these are there are really good players in that group. Really good players that won't make this team. I'm thinking though, Alex Collins going to show before the regular season starts, and we're not going to we're not going to cut him. I that's my opinion. You and I might differ on that. I, I still I'm hearing you say though that Eddie Lacy's still going to emerge in that number two spot, and I think I just he will. Think, I just think that a couple things probably need to happen. Uh, I mean, Carson really needs to emerge. In fact, I I think that you're correct if Carson jumps Lacy on the depth chart. I think if Eddie Lacy is the number three back, we're either trying to trade him or we're mm-hmm. cutting him loose, Keith, because you can't have your almost $4 million back as your third back and barely see the field. Well, yeah, because he would be well, the he'd third. Be behind, he'd be behind Procise as well. Yeah, he'd be the third back only for first and second down because Procise has that third down back uh, locked up. Yeah, that'd be nuts. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's talk about pro- <laughs> let's talk about precise a little bit. We talked about him on periphery, but tell me exactly what he means to the team when he's healthy. Well, I mean, you look at what happened when he was healthy last year, which was not very much, but it was the same offensive line, the same issues, um, whatever. But the offense was suddenly way more explosive. He's just got such speed um, that he opens things up for the offense. He really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. He's um, he's just a completely different kind of back than the Seahawks have on the roster. He's just, he's got the size, and, but he's got so much speed and quickness and he's so good out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, he he's really like puts, a Percy, he's like a Percy Harvin with an extra 30 pounds. Yeah. And without the attitude problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. He's a, he's a guy that really can, 
can can ju- he just changes what everything that goes on and he really puts a lot of pressure on the defense. The the offense just looked so much better when he was on the field. And so when training camp opened and you know the first two days of practice you get uh CJ Procise, you know, did not participate and you're like, oh no, is he hurt again? And then it turned out he just had some sort of the flu. He ate something bad and and had um you know a lot of stomach problems and was throwing up and yeah. and so he missed the first couple of days but then once he's gotten out on the field he has he's looked good too uh, he's a guy that I mean the team basically is saying he is a third down back but process doesn't want to just be the third down back he's been he's making the case to be an every down back and to be we've, out there on first and second down too we, we've got a good situation Keith I mean, yeah. we just do. At bottom line, we've got a really good situation at running back this year. The preseason games are going to be so competitive at that spot. It's going oh to be, yeah, uh, it's going to be amazing. We might not even be able to come up with a legit uh, trio by the end of of training camp. The the coaches are going to have to make probably at least one cut that's going to be really difficult. Oh yeah, it's going to be and it's going to be hard in part because the offensive line is not looked good so far. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, especially especially the number two offensive line. So, um, I mean, the the Justin Britt, uh, Luke Jokel, um, Jermaine Effetti groups actually looked pretty good, uh, at least in run blocking. But when you start to get uh, the next group of guys out there, it hasn't been particularly pretty, which is going to make it really hard to evaluate, um, you know, the Carsons and Collins and. Uh, Mike Davis is of the uh, position group because they're not going to have the blocking that we'd expect. So uh, I'm going to shoot through a couple of other uh, quick notes on players, and then we can get right into that preview for the uh, the first preseason game. Paul Richardson's having a, a nice camp this uh, this year. Uh, Curse is having a good camp uh, this uh, preseason. So far, um, of course, he needs to show up in games. We all know that, but so far he's looked pretty good. Tyler Lockett's come back uh, finally uh, after his injury and is full participant in camps this last two or three uh, practices. He's looking sharp. Um, I really like the receiver group this uh, this season. Uh, the secondary group, the running back group that we just talked about, and the wide receiver group is is really. Uh, a nice uh, set of groups to keep your eye on during preseason. Jimmy Graham's on fire. Uh, he's going to have a monster year, I think, this year at tight end, Keith. Yeah, people don't realize how little he... I mean, he was out there in training camp, but mostly just running around and occasionally catching a ball. And then he didn't really practice all season. He was mostly just, you know, tape and film room and, you know, rehab and then would go out on Sunday and play and had almost a thousand yards. He is actually practicing full speed, full time. Um, and it's been scary just watching how, watching him dominate good players. Um, and that combined with the way that Wilson is so sharp. Ugh, yeah. That's part of the two, reason. Yeah. That combo. It's, it's part of the reason why Wilson's been so sharp is because you've got a target who you don't have to, weight on you can just you can throw him open because he's so big and Wilson has been doing that he's been been okay with throwing the ball a little high and letting Jimmy Graham go get it and it's looked really good in practice they've made some spectacular plays so it's been been a lot of fun to watch the last guy I really want to talk about uh is uh Earl Thomas uh it looks like he's back 100% Keith I mean 
that's yep. great news for the team because uh, of the way that the defense operates. Everything is built around Earl Thomas. And if he's back 100%, looks like he is, um, I, this this team is going to be a good team. I, I even went on Twitter today and I, I looked at the schedule and I was like, we could have legit 12 wins by mid-December with two games to go. Yeah, I mean it's it's good team. To me, it come. I know I say this in every every show, but it comes down to the offensive line and can they open open enough running lanes and give Wilson enough time because the the talent elsewhere is outstanding. Um, and all they need they need enough blocking that the offense can be efficient. Yeah, and if they do, if the offense is efficient, this team is going to win. It's it's just going to win games. It's it is good it is talented i'm really excited about this year so let's jump right into the game preview shall we mm-hmm. so we're playing the san diego chargers on sunday Which, um you know we both have screwed that up in the podcast and in our notes they're the la charger oh that's right keith oh my <laughs> gosh how many times was i gonna say that out loud before somebody smacked me <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. I even need to. I need to scratch out in my notes, San Diego, and put L A. <laughs> so now we can hate them even more. Oh, of course the, we can. The L A. Chargers. Uh, that doesn't. That doesn't slide off the tongue as nice. As at San least. Diego. At least there. It's not like baseball where you have the L A. Chargers of Anaheim or something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the the notes on the uh, the Chargers are they've got a new head coach this year, Anthony Lynn, previous mm-hmm. uh, offensive coordinator with Buffalo Bills. Ken Wisenhunt's back as their offensive coordinator, uh, even though they've got a new head coach. So their offense is going to remain about the same. Uh, we can predict they were eighth in the league in passing with Phillip Rivers at the helm, uh, 26th in rushing with Melvin Gordon back there. He almost had 1,000 yards last year. I'd probably look for him to, to reach that again. Kellen Clemens, their number two QB. Uh, they did trade for Cardell Jones as their number uh, number three guy, so we'll probably likely see those guys in this game quite a bit. Phillip will probably take a, a series or two. Um, conversely, on our side, Russell Wilson will probably have a series, and then we'll see our guys um, which I understand need all the playing time that they can get. <laughs> They're kind of struggling in camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing of note with San Diego is they drafted Mike Williams at wide receiver this year to pair with Keenan Allen, but uh, he got hurt and uh, has, a, has a bad herniated disc issue and is going to miss time this season. And then uh, their other uh, pick uh, this year, Forrest Lamp, who uh, some of the Seahawks uh, – uh, fans wanted us to draft at guard has uh, been lost uh, for the season with an ACL. So, so they've lost their top two draft picks. Yeah, it's um, not. It's not a good. It's it's going to be a struggle, an uphill battle this year for the for the LA Chargers. They 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 do have a new left tackle though. Someone who Seahawks fans are familiar with, uh, Russell Okung. Recognize that name? Wow. Um, is their left tackle. He signed, a, he signed a multi-year deal and, had, and a nice deal with them, actually, for him. Yeah. Yep. And so hopefully his ankles uh, hold up long enough for him to actually see most of that money. Um, so but, do, yeah, so, so we, we, we've got some questions, you know, uh, for the, for all the preseason games. But for this game, you know, what are we looking for, Keith? How much time will starters play 
what kind of battles do you want to watch? You know, what's what's the the one thing that you want to see out of the game? Well, usually the starters, uh, like the key starters, guys like uh, Earl Thomas and Russell Wilson and Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner. Those guys you usually play one or two series, and depending on, um, like if it's a long series, like if if Wilson takes the you know the first drive and drives them you know ten plays, eighty yards, gets a touchdown, he'll be done for the day. If it if the offense goes out and goes three and out, he'll probably come out for a second series. So it's it it'll you know it's kind of a play it by ear thing, but it's it becomes a a series or two for the for the key starters. Um, in for positions where there's uh, more of a battle, uh, you'll see guys staking around a little longer. You'll probably see Jermaine uh, Effetti out there for uh, three or four series, whereas Justin Britt will probably only be out there for the first two. Uh, he'll come out when Wilson comes out. Um, so there's a little bit of of uh, of give and take there as far as how long. Who's it's... gonna play backup center in this game? I mean, Joey Hunt's there, but boy, if he's they really be... feel like they're not, they're gonna move on from Joey Hunt. I mean, if they, they're they're not gonna say that out loud, but if they feel like they're gonna move on from Joey Hunt in this game, do you think Procise will, will get some time there, even though he hasn't much, had much time in practice? Um, I think Joey Hunt's gonna be the um, the backup in this game, maybe not when the season comes around, but in this game he's going to be. Uh, so he'll when when Britt comes out, we'll see we'll see Hunt come in and play most of the game. They have been trying to get um, Posick some snaps at center. Of course, that was put on hold with Effetti um, being out. So, uh, but before that and since he's been back, they've been getting. Um, Posick some snaps at center. I think he'll be the the center, like in the fourth quarter. You know, once once Joy Hunt's day is done. So they're right. they've been they've been doing a little of that. So I think it's a it's one of those things. We'll we'll, we'll get a chance to see a lot of Joy Hunt and whether or not uh, he can make a case for staying on the roster. And uh, Parasak, uh, Will Parasak, they still have as well. He'll probably take some snaps. Yeah, um, um, he's been looked at pretty extensively at guard. I think they know what he can do at center. So you're right. He'll get some, some, he'll probably get in and get at least a, a couple of series at center, but I would expect to see him mostly at uh, left guard uh, starting sometime just before halftime. And then out until around the fourth start of the fourth quarter is when we'll see, we'll, we should see a lot of Parasek there. So out of the, out of the key groups that we're looking for. So we're looking at offensive line. It's really preseason is really hard to, to kind of, put it all together because uh, it's a it's a bit sloppy out there mm-hmm. and it, it can be um, but uh, some of the um, ath- more athletic groups are easier to kind of identify who's doing it and who's not what are you looking for from our defensive backs um, what are you looking for uh, at wide receiver and what would you like to see at running back in the first game Keith well I'm looking at I'm looking at before uh, rookies. I want to see Carson come out and in a live game do what he's been doing in practice and just be impressive, be decisive, run guys over, be um, what everyone expects Eddie Lacy to be. I want to see Eddie Lacy run hard and actually do something, I do, too, do something that looks impressive because he hasn't been impressive in camp. Um, I want to see uh, Amara Darbo go out and show that he is he is putting Jermaine Curse on notice 
uh, for his roster spot, or at least his playing time, because he has quietly had a very good camp. He's done everything the team has asked of him. Um, challenge for balls. He's not there. You haven't seen his name a lot in the write-ups because he's not catching that like 48 yard, you know, touchdown down in the corner. But what he's done is quietly become that possession receiver over the middle that is getting, you know, a couple of receptions on every like, you know, big drive. So every t- every possession, he's getting a couple of receptions. He's getting first downs. He's looking um, kind of Bobby Ingram-esque. Uh, out there, especially in the middle of the field. And he's a guy that if he can go out there and show it in a game and really start to get, you know, show the, Hey, this, he's going to, he's going to be a force this year. Um, I don't see any reason why he would, why the team wouldn't be getting him on the field um, over Jermaine curse, who is almost certainly in the last year uh, with the team. So it comes down to, I, I really that's something I want to see. I want to see our defensive backs, especially our backup safeties, the um, McDougal and the two rookies get out there and and play and you know light things up and really play with speed and and look see hockey unlike the backup safeties that we've had in recent years, like uh, Stephen Terrell, who mm-hmm. did not look see hockey. Um, and you know that, those are the types of things that I'm looking for. I'm lo- really looking at some of these. I know most fans are well, you get into the third and fourth quarter of these preseason games and they turn turn it off because these are all guys that you know they don't know much about or they um, aren't sure. going to make the team and that kind of stuff. But those are the guys that I'm looking at because to me it's your I want to see what guys are out there really owning their role and really. Right. Trying to prove the point, hey, I deserve to make this roster. And it you shows know? you how deep of a team you have. Yeah. I mean, everyone talks about depth in, in camp, and it's really hard to know when you're facing your own teammates for, you know, 10, 12 days, you know, and it's a lot easier to identify when you're facing another team um, exactly where you stand. So that would be awesome. The other, There's a couple other uh, spots that I want to talk about briefly. Uh, what are you looking for out of the return game, uh, the special teams game, this uh, first preseason game? Well, real. I mean, it's hard with special teams because they just don't get, they don't get as much time in practice as they used to. Uh, what about what about returners specifically, like well, uh, Mc, wanna, McKissick and Grayson and I whoever see, else they're going to have back there? I want to see them catch the ball because both of them have had had issues catching the ball. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see Paul Richardson, uh, back there, uh, for a kickoff, maybe not in this game, but at some point, because he's the guy who had that job as a rookie and looked, looked pretty good at it. And he at least caught the ball. Whereas, um, McKissick and and Grayson have both had some drop issues. So I I really, I just want to see some, I want to see them be steady. I want to see them do the little things. I don't need to see a big, you know, Tyler Lockett like, uh, 40-yard return. Although um, it would be nice. Oh, oh, it would be great. But honestly, I'm not I'm not expecting it because special teams are a little sloppy early on in terms of getting the blocking and the lanes and all I that. Have a, so. I have a question for you, Keith. So if uh, J.D. McKissick emerges as the kick, at least kickoff returner, kickoff and punt returner for this team, is he going to be listed as a wide receiver or running back? How does that impact the roster? 
that makes life really difficult because of the talent at wide receiver. I think we've already discussed the talent at running back, and we know there's going to be difficult decisions either way, but McKissick's not a running back. You will, you're never going to hand him the ball and expect him to run between the tackles. He's just not. He's, you can use him as a third down back and, you know, a receiver out of the backfield and run a draw play maybe, but you're never going to lighten him up, um, you know, and have him pounded in there because it's not who he is. It's not his body type. So I really think you have to line it, list him as a wide receiver. And so it hurts the wide receiver depth because now you're going to have to cut a guy like Tanner McAvoy to keep him. Well, I think what you you end up doing doing is you end up keeping six. Well, yeah, but then if you keep six wide receivers, then you can't keep that fifth back, right? So you you, you keep Marcel Reese as a fullback, and you can't keep four running backs. So now you've got to lose Collins and Carson? No, I think you go with Rawls, Lacey, and Carson with Reese as the fullback. See, but so you're not talking. You've missed um, CJ Procise in that. Oh, that's right, CJ Procise. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is if, if you McKissick, if he wins that role, I think it has to come out of the wide receiver group, and I think you end up losing. I think you to... end up cutting a linebacker. I think they they end up keeping McKissick, and they end up cutting. Uh, cutting a they, uh, cutting a defensive player and keeping an extra offensive. Player. I think so. Or or they cut Joey Hunt and they run with limited offensive line depth because and have got, an eight eight lineman. Yeah, because you've got um, Posick who can play um, all five positions, and you've got Adiamba who can play uh, both both spots on the left, and you've got yeah. um, you know somebody like uh, Parasek who can play all three spots across the middle, and you know you run your offensive line that way. Um, those are those are nice conversations to have. What is the um, what do the Seahawks want to have happen? Do they want to have uh, Paul Richardson return kicks so that it makes it so much easier? I think they would like to have Tyler Lockett be a hundred percent healthy, so they can <laughs> they trust that they can stick him in there and um, and be Tyler Lockett and be awesome and not have to worry about carrying a guy like McKissick who doesn't add anything to your uh, team except for um, return job. I, I think that would be, or maybe you have Lockett return punts and Richardson return kicks just to limit Lockett's exposure um, to yeah. those to those wicked hits and, and do it that way and have it be set up so that we, as a team, you've got, um, a little bit more balance and you're you're using your guy your roster spots more effectively than guys that do nothing but special teams well we'll certainly have a lot of those questions to to ask and answer as uh the preseason games proceed uh that last week before the regular season is going to be something else i mean oh it's going to be so hard it's going <laughs> to there's going to be like so 10, 10 guys on the bubble I mean, we could literally have a podcast about 10 bubble players. and We probably um, will. <laughs> and we probably will. And it's going to be sad, not only for the team, but uh, for us. And, the, and hopefully a lot of those guys will emerge back onto the practice squad. And, uh, but there's no guarantee. that I think that this is one of those seasons where you could see four, maybe five guys that we're going to cut end up on other teams. 
No, I would say probably more than that because you're going to have um, a couple of running backs likely um, end up on other teams. You've got probably a receiver, a linebacker, a defensive lineman, um, a corner, at, le- at least one corner. Um, that'll these are guys that will will end up on other teams. Yeah. Um, someone will pick up uh, a special teamer like Dewey McDonald because the Seahawks don't have room for him on the roster, but. You know, another team that, that lacks a little bit of depth. And yeah, Mike hey, Davis well, at running back. You're right. You mentioned I mean, two running backs, right? So yeah, it's just look, nuts. This is, this is, it's, go look at what happened in 2013. And I know this roster isn't as deep as that one because that roster was crazy. But if you look at that roster, um, guys that got cut got picked up. I mean, they held, I think it was something like 16 guys yeah. Uh, yeah. end up on other teams' rosters at some yeah. point during the season. Another guy that we haven't even mentioned at all in any single podcast or show notes or anything is uh, Tyrone Swoops, who's a uh, is the fourth tight end on the on the team. But apparently he's just having a lights-out camp the first time he's ever played tight end in his life, just in the last two months. Well, yeah, because he was a quarterback. Uh, big, tall, huge guy, runs people over, no, smart, does a lot of the little things. Or I don't, Like, before... Well before anything started, he was kind of my uh, dark horse to make it as the fullback because I think the team was looking at you know a bunch of guys like Kyle Coleman who they just cut and they um, were trying to find roles for different guys and and so I was like okay well he's the guy that that kind of has that body type and and you know smart so I think he could handle it um, but then they of course signed Reese and so that that competition's kind of closed, but he's just a smart guy. And, and he's a, a guy who really just knows football, loves football, loves to play football, loves to practice football, loves to talk about football. And you can't have <laughs> enough guys like that on your roster, especially if they're really good athletes. So yeah. well, he made um, an outstanding layout catch in the end zone the other day that had the entire offense out there congratulating him. So yeah, that's fun stuff. But can the team afford to keep four tight ends? I don't. Well, think I think so. a guy like Swoops, make, <laughs> he can make it to the practice squad. But I'm just saying, I do too. it's just fun to speculate about all these players that really have uh, some some serious talent. That every year we we get into these situations, but I think this year is even more pointed because of just I think the depth overall is uh, significant and it's it's good and it's a good problem to have. But at the same time, it's 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 tough. So, well, let's go play a football game on Sunday, Keith. What do you think? Let's do it. I think it's, I, I am so ready. I am so <laughs> ready. It's been so long since we've watched the Seahawks on the field take on someone other than themselves in practice. And yep. I am so ready to watch Seahawks football on my TV. So I think it's uh, Kurt Menefee's uh, calling the game on on the local cast, and they it's on uh, the NFL Network as well. I, is the, is are they just picking up the feed, or is that a national uh, broadcast? I believe it is. Um, yeah, it's it's just the local. They don't it right. won't get a you, they won't get the national group. So it'll be um, Kurt Menefee with the call. Brock Hewitt, I believe, is the um, the color guy, and um, hopefully it'll be a you know, a fun game. I like having Brock, uh, yeah, as no, the, be a great, the color be guy. He, great. Does, he does a good job there. Um, the other thing is if you're listening to it on the radio, uh, listen for John Clayton, who's the new sideline reporter, um, for the radio broadcast, which 
is a little, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's an interesting addition. And it's a little disappointing that it's only radio because you won't get to see the Slayer t-shirt or the ponytail. Yeah. Or, well, it's nice to have uh, <laughs> a real competent guy uh, there to, uh, not that they didn't have competent people in the past, but it's just nice to have competency there, a guy that has history with uh, understanding the team what they're trying to do, all that good stuff. So yep. anyway, let's go watch a game. We'll come back. Uh, we're looking for a podcast uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. We're going to try to be consistent with that throughout the season as well. We're going to record uh, on Tuesdays and either publish Tuesday or Wednesday. So look for those things. We'll have game review, and we'll also preview next week's uh, game as well. So it was good to have you again, Keith. Thanks for the conversation. We really hit a lot of different things today, so that's awesome. And uh, until next time, you can find us uh, on Twitter. My, uh, Keith is at Myers NFL. I am at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. You can find us on the website, hawksplaybook.com. You'll find all the podcasts on there, uh, Blog Talk Radio. You can subscribe there and on iTunes. And I think I've had it about covered. What do you think? Uh, yeah. So we're on. <laughs> Yep, we're pretty much on every um, every streaming service yes. out there um, now. We've been out long enough, and iTunes has finally propagated us out to the rest of the world. And uh, well, it did a while ago, but it's it's you know it's one of those things that takes a little bit of time. But I think we're out in just about everything. I think I saw us on iHeartRadio um, last weekend, which is a nice little addition to our uh, aggregation list and. Yeah, yeah, feeling pretty good about it. And I and I put the final final finishing touches on the website. I got I put up a new logo up in the upper left corner on the on the header. So come over to the website and take a look at it. Tell us what you think. Leave some comments in the uh, comment area. Rate our podcast on iTunes. That's helpful. Uh, give us some feedback on Twitter. And let us know how we're doing. So uh, until Wait, next now week. That, well, now that, oh, go now ahead. that we've just, now that we finalized that logo, are we going to get T-shirts made? Yeah, we need to do some t-shirts, <laughs> especially since I'm a t-shirt guy, right? Yep. <laughs> That's my, my day job is I've got an embroidery and screen printing business, so we should probably do some. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so until next time, Keith, thanks again, and um, we'll see you later. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. And listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk. And Keith is at Myers NFL.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.